0: Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the Future of Work podcast that goes beyond the traditional 9 to 5. I'm Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. Today, I welcome the job-share pair. Hannah Hall-Turner and Rachel McGuire are two working moms on a mission to raise the profile of job-sharing in the world of work and make it an accessible option for everyone. They began their own job-sharing partnership upon their return to work in the role of HR director for a globally reaching professional service firm following their first maternity leaves. At that point, they were the only job sharers in the UK arm of that business. After making a success of their own job share and realizing both how underutilized job sharing is within the UK labour market, And what a missed opportunity this represented for so many businesses, they initially set up their Instagram account to network with other job sharers, share best practice and highlight great job-sharing case studies. This was the first step towards launching what is now their innovative and successful coaching and consulting business, the Job Share Pair Limited. Fueled? their passion to normalize job sharing as a way of working and utilizing their 25 years combined experience in HR. With over half of these in board-level leadership positions, they focus on helping others reach their full potential at work without compromising family life or free time. They they demystify the methodology of job sharing to organizations providing them with all the tools needed to make it work as well as providing bespoke coaching services for job share partners, their managers and their teams to maximize the effectiveness of their unique partnership and provide the best opportunity for seamless working success. They are huge advocates of flexible working with a particular focus on job sharing and the impact that a positive work-life balance blend can have on individuals, organizations, and communities. Welcome to the show, Rachel and Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for coming. It's, yeah, I've been following you for so long and it's so nice to quote unquote see you while it is over Zoom, it still feels very much, you know, (laughs) like you're next door. Um, And which brings me to my first question for people listening in, where are you calling in from? And are there any particular sites or food that you recommend for anybody coming in towards your area? Yeah, so um,
1: it's Hannah here, so you get to know our voices. Um, I'm calling in from Kent, which you might know is known as the Garden of England, Um, and I live about a five minute drive from the biggest lavender farm in the UK. So if you were to drive me my house in, in July in the UK, you would see the most beautiful fields of purple. You would have the most amazing smell. Your baby would probably go to sleep as you walk past. <laughs> um, and it is, it's absolutely stunning. I think in terms of food, I'm not really sure locally, but originally I'm from South Wales. Um, so I would highly recommend my nanny Pat's Welsh cakes, which are like sugary flat scones with currants in. Them. They're very yummy.
0: <laughs> that sounds so good, and you know purple is my favorite color. So that sounds like a perfect time to visit them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And,
0: and hi
2: everyone, I'm Rachel. I'm calling from Harrow, um, Harrow in the UK, which is home to the famous private school for boys. So some past. Students there were Winston Churchill, Benedict Cumberbatch and Hugo Taylor who was a teen heartthrob from Made in Chelsea so there's something for everyone there. Um, Food wise there's no particular delicacies uh, but being part of Greater London if there's anything you're in the mood for from Afghan sushi Thai you can get it anywhere in London.
0: Thank you so much it's yeah it brings back really good memories. I lived in London for a while so yeah. Oh lovely. (laughs) And so now, as we start, could you share with our listeners, what made you decide to start the Job Share pit?
2: Sure. Well, Hannah and I have a 12-year history. Um, we worked together at a global real estate firm. Hannah was actually my boss for a few years, and I learned so much from her. Um, I was actually promoted to HR director, so reached the same level as her, and we were peers. Um, so the kind of environment was very high volume, very fast paced, we were working really long hours, and gave our jobs our everything really. Um, and we just so happened to find out we were pregnant at the same time at a work event, our babies came six days apart, which was fantastic. And when we found out we were pregnant, we jokingly said to each other, you know, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could come back as a job share. Um, so we We built a business case when we were on maternity leave, we pitched it to our boss, who was really receptive. And from there, our partnership was really an evolution. Um, We set up our Instagram profile, firstly, just Mm. as a way to build awareness of job sharing. And we really wanted to build a community with other job sharers, given that it's such a rarity. So with COVID changing the flexible working landscape, we thought, okay, we've been in our business for 11 years. Shall we take the plunge and really build on this passion project that means so much to us? So just this year, um, 2021, we set up our own coaching and consulting business all around job sharing, and job sharing alone. So for us, our USP really is that we are we have 25 years in corporate HR and we really want to support people, giving them all the tools that they need to make job sharing a huge success. Wow.
0: That sounds just awesome. And you know, like what, like maybe Hannah, you could share, how did you first hear about job sharing? That's what I'm always more really curious about because like, you know, here, very few people would ever know about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and that is actually a really, really difficult question um, because I think people have heard of it as, as some concept of a degree and it is like job sharing is basically what it says on the tin. So it's quite an easy concept to kind of understand, isn't it? But so few people actually know anyone who does it or understands the intricacies of it. And I guess, you know, I, um, as Rachel said, you know, we've worked in HR for quite a long time. And so when we were studying for um, our HR certificates or masters, um, you kind of hear through it that way. So we've always had the benefit of understand a little bit more about flexible working and different ways of working because of our background. But if if I wasn't in that, you know, none of my friends job share. And actually when I talk to them about my job share, they're really, really interested. And they're like, wow, isn't that a great idea? Why don't I know about it? What? And, and yeah, so so luckily mm. we were fortunate to know about it because of the career that we
0: chose. That's, that's you know, mm. that's really interesting. And I truly wonder, if that is the case for, you know, people around the world in HR, whether the certificates they have or the masters they study, whether it is included under the flexible, you know, work uh, part of that. And and I honestly don't know the answer. Yeah, Mm. yeah. So, and now when, like when you, you know, you've done job sharing now, for a long time. What do you feel like surprised you the most about job sharing, like going from the theory to the actual practice of doing it?
2: I think what surprised me the most is how much, like Hannah mentioned, you know, how much interest there is around it, how much belief there is around it. You know, we speak to so many people around our mission and nine times out of 10, you know, people are on board. People want to know more about it. And when you speak of the benefits, it's kind of a light bulb moment thinking, yeah, that's that's obvious, of course that would work. But I guess and another surprise and a huge frustration is really the reticence then people have to actually try it. So there's all this interest, there's you know an understanding of the benefits, but actually let's just give it a go. And you know, we're preaching to the converted here, Karen. But you know, a job share is just a micro team, it's just a small team and people understand and accept that teamwork is really beneficial and hugely you know advantageous for businesses but actually if if recruiters and and hr and business leaders and line managers just thought about a more creative way to recruit and actually think maybe that role doesn't just require one person in one full-time role, maybe we can be more flexible Then you know, that would open up so many opportunities for job sharers and actually, you know, give businesses and a competitive advantage as well.
0: Yeah. It's, um, you know, when you say about the recruiting, I always think about Zurich UK, right? The insurance yeah. company, six uh. words that changed their entire, you know, perspective or like how many people applied and job sharing. like for people who are listening who don't know about it, it they added job sharing, flexible work and part-time to the options um, in their job descriptions. And they saw such an increase in applicants. And interestingly for men and women, and across different levels of jobs as well. So I, I just, to me, this is always one of my favorite examples of, it's you know, when somebody says, well, I'm not sure about it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really interesting to, so now, because you knew about it, or at least from a theoretical point of view, looking back on it, is there something you wish you would have known even more about it You know, now that you've done it for a long time?
2: Yeah, well at the time when we started, we were in a, a global business of 4,000 4, people in the UK. So eight, Hannah and I were the first job share couple. So we had to really champion change and be the trailblazers and being the first to do anything is difficult. Um, so I think having just an awareness of that would have helped us when we started out, because if you work in a traditional business, there will be some people who are less responsive to change and, you know, less responsive to flexible working regimes, which we see, you know, all the time, but, um, I think that you just have more to prove in that scenario. So we took that on as a huge responsibility. You know, we're really driven, really ambitious women who want to do really well. And we didn't want the fact that we had taken some time out of the workforce to impact us for the rest of our careers. So um, as senior women in the organization, we really took it upon ourselves to speak about it a lot. And I kind of think of it like, It's as if you're the eldest child in a family. You know, you're wanting to pave the way for your siblings to have an easier ride. And actually that's what we really wanted to do. Um, But I think, yeah, just knowing that it would be quite hard initially and allowing it to evolve would have been a good thing to have been aware of um, first before starting out. And
0: Hannah, do you have some other thoughts or what, what was, you know, what's your feeling? And um, as, as ever, I'm completely in
1: agreement with Rachel. <laughs> um, so I, I think, I think, you know, I think often when we talk about a job sharing, people are like, wow, that's a real work-life balance utopia, which by the way it is, but it doesn't mean that, you know, on a Wednesday, when I finish up at half past four, I'm not thinking about work then for my, for my two, we call it home days, because looking after toddlers and babies, as you know, it's definitely not days off Um, so you know you still have to kind of commit to it you have to take the time to prove yourself as a couple you have to unfortunately sometimes you have to challenge people's preconceptions of you you have to challenge sometimes perhaps when um some a client or a stakeholder might try and play you off against each other so it isn't as plain sailing as the utopia that Maybe sometimes you know is spoken about around job sharing. You really have to work hard at it. And obviously, as Rachel said, you know we were totally committed to making it work. We put in the hours where we could, um, and and it's it meant that we could retain that stretch, the the challenging role that we had, which I think was was great for us.
0: Thank you, and you are leading me directly to my next question. Thank you so much for that, because I really I'd like our listeners to really understand if you could maybe name what you perceive to be the most common myth about job sharing and you know and then what the reality really is.
1: Yeah I think um like you say unfortunately there are so many myths because people don't really understand as we've spoken about kind of and and they make assumptions about this way of working so I mean, Karen, we could definitely take over your podcast, talking about myths and realities. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's, I think, four main ones for us. I think the first one is that job sharing is really a working arrangement for returning mums into the workplace. And I think in reality, it's an amazing way to get returning mums from maternity leave, who may have had a career break, um, who've taken some time out for any reason back into the workplace. But it isn't exclusive to working mums and i think until we get that point across we are not and, and you know we need to highlight more men working flexibly more more women working flexibly because of other things and childcare responsibilities but until we get that point across we're not going to move forward with our job sharing mission um and so like you you know we are passionate about highlighting job share partnerships every wednesday on our instagram page you know that we we highlight as many partnerships as we can and what we found is that people job share for a variety of reasons. So whether that's caregiving to elderly relatives, juggling sporting commitments, um, pursuing their side hustle ambitions, um, community um, volunteering, study training, all of the things. And I know that um, you've interviewed Ian Shepherd from <laughs> the Citizen. Yeah, and I you know I read a quote from him which I am obsessed with. Um, because he said he was asked about why he job shared and he said, Well, because I want to, you know, and then he went on to talk about sometimes I watch television, sometimes I study, you know, I do what I want with that time away. And it's really helped me in my career because not only am I still in, as we've spoken about, still in a really challenging, pressured, you know, stretching role, but I for my mental well-being and for my own personal development, I've got that time to kind of pursue that. Um, so I love that. Um I think another myth that we hear all too often, particularly when we're out talking to organizations is, oh, well, job sharing isn't going to work in my role. And our response to that is always try us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's try it because we, we really believe along, you know, and I know that you the same. we believe that with the right partnership, with the right leadership, with the right culture, with the right kind of job design, job sharing really is going to you know be successful in most roles and we've seen it in in roles from teachers to engineers to political leaders to ceos you know we've seen it in administrative roles operational roles um you know we put a post on our instagram today where um a job share partnership will managing 1200 people you know we've got big budget ownerships um so we we do think that job sharing can work in your role (laughs) and we you know we, we kind of we often kind of think about what roles couldn't you job share um probably an astronaut going to moon and maybe uh, and definitely a hundred meter runner <laughs> like, you know i think i think and we'll come on to this perhaps that we need to give job sharing more of a try um the third myth um that we'd like to quash is that you need to know like and have worked with your job share partner before and you've probably spoken about the job i know that you're aware of the job share um project but that reported that 54 percent of respondents who were job sharers knew each other before so you know we're almost at a 50 50 split and my experience and i always feel quite weird talking about this in front of rachel but i've had two job share partners <laughs> and so i started <laughs> with rachel who obviously i know i know how she operates i've worked with before we're friends and it, and it is successful but when rachel began her second maternity leave um a job shared with somebody I'd never met before, never worked with before, but, you know, we were equally successful, valued by our clients. We were high performing. And um, so I think it can work both ways. But I think what matters is that you've got professional chemistry. You've got a shared work ethos, shared values. You know, you have to have the same approach to ownership and you need to be able to work it out. You need to be able to talk to each other, trust each other and, and give feedback. Um and then I guess that the this is probably the most common one that we get from business leaders, so quite applicable to the podcast. Um, but the final myth that I guess we want to discuss is the crossover day and how it's an additional expense to to their business. And whilst often with job share partners there is a, a one crossover day, so you've got one point two full time equivalent. So that does mean additional kind of labour costs, but. know the beauty the absolute beauty as you know you'll know of a job share is that you've got two trains of thought you've got two people problem solving you've got two people absolutely committed to your business and and again as the research has shown you've got 30 percent more productive employees you've got the most engaged type of employee um so surely that 0.2 additional is is completely outweighed by all the other benefits that job sharing can bring to your business so you know we really 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 believe that job sharing can make commercial business sense um, i guess uh, like i said i could go on and on and on and Probably the podcast now karen i'm so sorry but um there are so many so many myths that we could quash um, but they are probably the, the the four biggest ones that we often get challenged with
0: yeah Wow. Thank you. It's, yeah, I, I can just, you know, it's so important to me that you share these myths and, you know, what the um, like solutions are to them and how it really works in reality, because often people just don't know enough about it. Haven't met anybody who has done it and then Mm -hmm. happen to read about things. And, you know, they don't know any better, so to speak, right? Because they haven't really had a um, example in practice. So yeah. And and so now going along that, so we have HR professionals listening and they might be listening to you and say, hey, this sounds really amazing. I'd love to start trying that out in, my organization so um Rachel maybe could you tell us what should what would you recommend them as a starting point how would should they go about maybe should they start internally first or Mm. you know you know what what do you think
2: yeah well I would say certainly for an HR professional your role of influence with business leaders is the most powerful tool that you have so um First thing I mentioned before at recruitment stage: Can we be more creative than usually? You know, oh, somebody's left, and we'll just backfill them with the same thing. Can we use the Zurich example and open it out and use more flexible language to start to entice people in? Um, but you know, HR professionals have the most unique role of being able to influence leadership, present how the business can operate differently, and you know, give reasons and. Um, ways of making an employer stand out as with competitive advantage as an employer of choice so management buy-in is really critical if a manager is reluctant if a HR person um floats the idea with the manager and they're reluctant query why do you notice any unconscious bias is there any evidence to validate the manager's concerns or are there genuine business reasons as to why that role would not work um so really also if if an employee is coming to you and has brought their job share proposal and is saying, you know, this is this is what I need as part of my life, I think HR and the business would be really short-sighted not to consider the loss that that business would feel if that employee who is seeking out flexibility decides they can no longer operate in the way that they have previously. So the loss of knowledge, the loss of experience, client relationships, network, the recruitment costs to rehire, the skills that's required to succeed in the role, the time and money to build and upskill that person. So influence certainly to um, try and get the business into a state of being open-minded. And Hannah touched on this before, and it's something we talk about a lot, um, but really the risk to the business of giving the proposal a try really just giving it a go and um, flexible working regimes in the UK are certainly protected by trial periods. And I know that you have a global listening base, Karen, so I can't comment on everywhere, but you know, the trial periods are so vital because they allow the company protection, but also the individual protection. You know, if the individual starts to job share on a three day a week pattern, but ends up working five days a week, that trial period has not worked. And um, it enables both parties to have a really open conversation. So I would say for an HR professional, really try and um, try and influence the business to give it a go and getting to the point of approval at proposal stage is the first barrier to doing that.
0: Thank you so much. I, I really hope that, you know, for listeners thinking about starting, that is a great, um, you know, Starting point and later we will share how people can contact you if they have questions and, uh, you know, further ideas and thoughts. And now you've done so much awareness raising about job sharing. And I really feel, you know, I'm seeing more and more across the world, but it's still in in many countries, it's still unheard of. I You know, I was on Clubhouse the other day and I was talking about job sharing and I had people from multiple uh, countries contact me. It's like, I'm a working mom. I've never heard of this. But um, Mm -hmm. so what do you think it takes or what are your ideas on how can we make it even more well-known around the world and make it as a, like, you know, just like as a normal thing. Like now before, you know, Before the pandemic, remote work was perceived to be the flexible part that people would like to have. Now it's just a given, now we, I feel moving on to hybrid, um, you know, uh, being half and half um, at work and and, at home. So I, you know, so how can we make job sharing get to this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, we are similar to you. We are absolutely obsessed with normalising job sharing and spreading the word, <laughs> that's all we want to do. Um, I think there's a few, there's probably three main things, um, but at the moment, particularly in the UK, um, job sharing is almost seen like a perk when, you know, you kind of give a lot back in return for the flexibility. Um, so there's kind of a, a perception around that, but I think three things. The first thing is we absolutely need storytellers. Um, and globally, we need to say, we need to see case studies of job shares that are making a difference globally on the economy, politically, socially. Um, And that is probably, that's probably, you know, quite an alien thing. I guess a great case study that we have and and we've um, posted on is uh, Hilary Cross and Linda Thomas, who are co-CEOs of uh, Macmillan, which is a cancer support charity. And they've really kind of They've done a lot around the charity um, in, their, in their job share and they talk a lot when they're interviewed about how joint leadership has really helped them in that role. Um and equally, you know, we we have done an awful lot of networking with job sharers, and some of them are a bit afraid, I guess, to even say that they're job sharers um because of traditional archaic mm. kind of management, leadership ways of working. So, in terms of the storytellers, we need job sharers to be loud and proud about job sharing and about the benefits that it brings as we said not only them the organization the the wider community um so that needs to change i think secondly we need more enablers so we need high profile allies um such as people that come on your podcast and, and you um you know we need business leaders community leaders we need people with huge profiles to say hey haven't you tried this why haven't you tried this this could solve an awful lots of your problems whether it be you know keeping people in the workforce and keeping skills in the workforce by job sharing and helping more women come back to support the economy um you know and and often we found that those enablers that i've spoken about um who might work flexibly or might be job sharers themselves really support people that work for them or people that they know to then job share also so um you know, the Green Party in the UK is the political party in the UK. It's led um, by Sean Berry and Jonathan Bartley together. And out of their executive, there are 17 roles and five of those are job sharers. Wow. So, where pe- yeah, so where people are kind of leading it from the top, it inspires others and it creates an opportunity for others to work in that way. And I think finally, and we've spoken an awful lot about this already, but We need trailblazers. We need organisations that are willing to change the way that we work globally. Um, And I think, you know, you've mentioned Zurich, um, but I think post-COVID, we're hopefully going to see some some companies embracing different ways of working, which you've already seen. Um, But we need organisations just to give it a try. And and then we need our job sharers to prove that it is the best way to work, (laughs) you know, which... As we've spoken about, it starts at the recruitment attraction stage of the employee life cycle, um, but also we need to help organisations. So something that Rachel and I do is we help organisations by giving them the tools and, and everything they need to make job sharing a success. Um, but also we we need to help job sharers globally, you know, to maximise their partnership. So what we, found, what we love and what we found is that through job sharing, we've got an amazing sort of community of people, whether they be job sharers or allies that are willing to share best practice that want other job sharers to be as successful as they can be. Um, So I think those three things, (laughs) we are really calling out for that. um, And we really think those would make a difference.
0: Now, one thing I have wondered is, have you ever seen any advertising where there is a job sharing couple being portrayed and like you know even from a definition point of view have you i mean i i haven't so i'm just curious does that exist
2: only i mean only in the the zero case is the only one that i've seen where it's actively using the term job sharing
0: right but but like you know i i'm i don't know like for example to me when you look at dads and unpaid care work right i think often they are still portrayed in advertising as the, well, you know, it's raining and they didn't bring whatever the jacket or the umbrella, right? And I mm, feel yeah. there is so much power in advertising to change societal stereotypes for the better, right? To, to make them realize. And so I'm just wondering, has that ever been, is there any, you know, way of displaying it and advertising for it and say, Okay. And to, again, to your point earlier, here is, you know, person A and B, they've been working together and look at what that has done to the organization and to mm-hmm. their life. Or, I mean, You know, as you said before, if people don't know about it, don't see it, it's very hard to actually conceptualize what it looks in reality, right?
2: Mm. So I don't know if you know um, Will McDonald and Sam White, Karen, but... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. And they, you know, we met them as our first job share partnership and we Mm -hmm. left such a fire in our belly because obviously them being a male partnership and a really senior high profile role in Aviva. You know, Sam told us this fantastic um, change that Aviva had made around um, equalizing the playing field. And actually from an insurance point of view, they are a traditional business. So the reason why Men wouldn't work flexibly. It is, you know, twofold in terms of cultural aspects and also um, financial penalties. So the way that Aviva got around that was using Sam and Will as um, an example and role modeling them around the business, putting them on poster boards, you know, making them available to have discussions with people Mm -hmm. to encourage others. But um, Aviva changed their policy to offer six months full pay to. Uh, for maternity leave and paternity leave and in the first year 700 people took those six months off full pay I mean why wouldn't you but anyway (laughs) right right
0: right right but that's awesome
2: but 300 of those 700 were men so that's almost 50 percent in the first year and actually if you take away the cultural barrier you take away the financial penalty you are going to level the playing field in a different way so to your point Karen I think the only way is to really try and promote it as an option for men and encourage it Um, without that kind of mentioned before, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna get very far at all.
0: Yeah. And it's, um, I'm sure you heard yesterday, the announcement by Volvo about the fact, right? That now you have to opt out that automatically yeah. You as you know, like any gender, you are put onto um, parental leave for twenty four mm-hmm. weeks, and I just think it, it requires bold moves. And to yeah. and 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 I think often people or organizations don't realize in a war yeah. of talent what a difference that also makes. When I think it, it's went around the world, right? Everybody is talking about it. Exactly. So if, if if somebody if an organization feels strongly to you know changing things, that's the best way, and they will get free mm-hmm. publicity to the end's degree. Right. So why wouldn't they, right? Yeah.
2: PR, exactly. PR that Volvo are experiencing at the moment. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>
0: and, and I think it's it's the right way to go because as you know, I feel very strongly. Often we talk a lot about how can we help women. Instead of saying no, it's not just looking at women, unless we yep. have men doing flexible work and caregiving, nothing is going to change. It's gonna just re-emphasize the mommy track. And, and then we are basically where we were before. So we have to have everybody together. And um, yeah, like the last few days, i you know, there have been a lot of events online, and and I keep saying the same point and and I'm honestly sometimes surprised that people don't think about it, maybe. But then again, it goes right back to we need to, you know, do more advertising or awareness raising to make more people realize that across the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So now um, the next um, question I have is regarding the new generation and you i you know when i was doing your research and uh, my research about you i saw you had posted that over 6% of those who have left the workforce since february 2020 were under the age of 25 and so i'm yeah. wondering what are you seeing what are you thinking how will also and also the desire of what millennials as well as gen c see as a you know um, their goals and aims in, in working, and you know, how will that impact um, job sharing and flexible work? Hugely. So, yeah, I mean that really depressing stats yes, um, yes.
1: came from the Office for National Statistics in the UK um, last week. And um, it really highlighted to, to us that we definitely need to be supporting young people at the moment, but also hearing what they want from work because you know those people young people who are out of work now they won't know the kind of nine to five office job that i've known you know they they've been at home during the pandemic they they are about to go through what we hope is a huge change in terms of the way of working um And I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a study by Deloitte, um, I think back in 2014, that said that by 2025, globally, 75% of the workforce globally are going to be millennials. So organizations need to start thinking now about their desires, their needs. And we know, you know, research has shown that millennials are focused on the experience of work and Generation Z are more concerned with ethical, sustainable businesses. And so, what that means is, they want more from work. They just they they don't want to work for these big corporations that do nothing for the community. They want to give something back, whether it's, and you know, if that can be achieved through volunteering days or time off to pursue different interests or skills, um, I think quite simply they are going to reject the traditional ways of working, which is music to our ears, obviously. Um, but it's interesting. I in in our previous organization we hired um, over 50 graduates per year in the UK. And for the last five years, I've been on a panel for um, part of their induction where they can ask any questions about anything, whether it's about their job, about the business, about their, you know, about, about their careers. And it's it was, it's been really interesting to see the last couple of years, um, most of the questions have been around work-life balance, around mm-hmm. sustainability, around working um, and, you know, obviously the last couple of years I've been a job sharer so the interest that I've had around that has been phenomenal so flexible working work-life balance is definitely on their minds but yet they still all want to be directors by the time they're 30 (laughs) (laughs) so that's where job sharing comes in right because you're still upskilling yourself you're able to carry out big stretched roles through job sharing but equally you know we we need to look at the increase of the millennials against an aging population. So, you know, we also think, and we've got a question for you, Karen, but, um, you know, we, we we think how great would it be to support this aging population out of the world of work and support an ease into retirement through job sharing, but to marry that with young people coming into the workforce who need to update themselves on, you know, who, who need to upskill and get all of this really valuable knowledge. Um, you know, we are obsessed with the idea of inter- intergenerational job sharing, um, but we haven't come across any yet. But, you know, for an organization, surely that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, it's like and, you know, from a research perspective in Germany, that is definitely something that is mentioned um a lot and i think it has a huge potential because i feel often one of the biggest things is that somebody who is retiring and often you know they are on a more senior level and they've got not just the knowledge but they have life experience how do you handle difficult conversation when you're a manager how do you deal with a customer or client when there are things not going as well? So, and and how do you recover from a mistake that might feel at a time devastating? All of these things would be so beneficial for somebody who is just starting off and doesn't have this. And you put them together as you said, and then like, you know, it might help somebody who is thinking of, you know, retiring Um, in maybe, let's say, five years or so, to then have more also knowledge on the technical side. So they are learning new skills, and these skills might also help them or benefit them further along, whether that is a new communication tool or whatever it might be. And the other thing I've been reading about is as people are getting older, the, um, you know, retirement age, which was somewhat arbitrary anyway, it was basically, you know, set at some point when the life expectancy was much lower, um, it will likely lead that people are going to have to work much longer. And so then the question becomes really, you know, do you stretch it more, but have fewer, you um, you know, working hours, and that was one interesting thing that Ian had said also in his interview questions, that he is well aware that by having a job-sharing job now, that that will likely require him to work longer in life, but in a way, he is quote-unquote taking some of the retirement, you know, early, if you want to say this, by Mm -hmm. having additional time to Um, you know, educate himself to volunteer to do these things. And to me, that seems such a, a, you know, a great approach, because to be honest, like the idea that some people have, I work, whatever, 80 hours for however many years, and then I'm done, and then I enjoy life. Well, that is, you know, who knows what truly were to happen, you know, what if somebody all of a sudden doesn't have the, um, you know, the health situation that would even allow them to travel around or whatever it might be, right? So I I really like that approach. And, um, yeah, in the whole aspect of, you know, upskilling, it, they are just, to me, I see this also from a job sharing point of view because everybody has strengths, right? So then if yeah. somebody is, say stronger in writing versus somebody in public speaking, so by by having that job sharing, having that trusted relationship, that person might be willing to accept much more some suggestions or, or like be willing to ask because they have the trust and say, you know, what could I do? I know you are better at X, Y, Z. Can you give yeah. me some tips? And maybe on a managerial or even senior managerial position, maybe typically people might be too, whether it's embarrassed or, you know, not willing to no. ask these questions. So it, it helps everybody to to better themselves, to upskill themselves in their job sharing um, um, pair. So, yeah, so, so I just think, and then the other thing um, is the whole, um, cultural aspect, right? That somebody might yeah. be coming to a new country, might not speak the language quite as well yet, but has, say, super technical skills, or, or some subject matter expert, and so by job sharing together, it, it helps as exactly. well, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so we, we, yeah, we're, we're on the lookout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so <laughs> For, but, you know, more when I find something, I will definitely, you know, send you more information. And and any listener out here, if you have specific examples of intergenerational dropshipping within your country or company, please send it to Rachel and Hannah and myself as well, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so um, now we've been talking a lot, you know, about you know, the whole economy and the pandemic and, um, you know, the she session and um, that so many female professionals, unfortunately, have had to opt out to leave the paid workforce entirely. So now, have you, within the UK, seen some best practice examples of organizations, how they handled that situation, and maybe created something that ended up having fewer female professionals in particular having to leave um, the paid workforce?
2: I think the only example that, you know, hasn't yet come to fruition, you know, the best practice ones around Zurich, Aviva Mm -hmm. that I've mentioned already. Um, I think it's over the next kind of 12 months or so that we'll see whether companies actions around this have actually impacted Mm -hmm. for the future. But I think the civil service, which is a set of bodies that support the government in the UK they have the Treasury, the HMRC, Ministry of Justice. They are incredibly family friendly. And Hannah and I have done, I shouldn't say family friendly because you know it could be for any reason that you'd want to job right, share. Right. But, um, but they have a portal called the Job Share Finder. And um, Hannah and I have done a lot of market research lately. And we've spoken to a number of people who work for the civil service. And all of them, bar none, have said that they will not leave the civil service while they they are working mums but while they have children of school age because there is nowhere that they will get the flexibility without question you know it's not even people have flexibility for flexible contracts for various different reasons and it's just the norm so i think that you know complete support and openness to flexible working is the only way to support people through this pandemic you know we've been forced into this um you know, remote working scenario, which for a lot of businesses will have been completely alien and businesses have not fallen apart from, you know, moving to this way of working. So I think inertia is the only way that businesses will fail on this. And actually, if they take proactive steps, to promote flexibility in whatever guise that is, then that's the best practice that we can see.
0: Thank you. So I have one more question. And so is there any, um, you know, situation or any personality type where you say it might not work to be a job sharer?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So to job share, um, you cannot be competitive in nature to the point that you want to throw people under a bus. So, you know, with your job share partner, you, you can't be competitive with them you can be still competitive and driven and ambitious but you need to channel that energy somewhere else because as job share partners you need to take the praise together but also you need to take any feedback or challenges together as well um you need to be trusting because you're trusting somebody else with your career and you need to be able to kind of let some of that control go <laughs> Because you need to back off for a job share to work. You need to back off on your home days mm-hmm. and you need to trust that your job share partner is in control, doing a great job when when you're not in. Because hopefully they will be. Um, Rach, is there anything that you'd like to
2: add if I covered that? I would just say, yeah. I mean, if I, if I, for example, am logging on and we've both been guilty of this, Hannah and I in the early stages of job sharing. But if we're logging on on our home days, all we're doing is interfering you know, we are confusing the business, we are responding to things and, you know, conf- you know, confusing things in general. And actually, like Hannah says, there is a, there should be an innate trust that, you know, your partner has the expertise and skills to manage the job really well. So um having boundaries around that is really important. And just on the competitive side, I think um when I heard Sam and Will from Aviva our favorite job share partnership (laughs) on the podcast they were saying actually if one of them has a fantastic week and they're smashing all of their targets out of the park then it only makes you feel more competitive with yourself you know to do a great job for your half of the week and you know when, when everything that you do on a daily basis will impact somebody else it makes you feel like you need to have more quality with your work and do more and make sure that you're not handing over too much so I think being naturally collaborative really communicative are the only other things that I would add to that
0: thank you so much now is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners that we haven't discussed yet I think
2: I would just like to say, Karen, that, you know, we are, we can feel your passion for job sharing. It is palpable <laughs> and um, and we share the same passion, which is so, so fantastic. It's, you know, it's been brilliant during this pandemic even to meet people with the same passion. So, you know, at our age and stage, our purpose really does come from trying to provide a route back into work, particularly for women post-maternity leave. Um, to provide that kind of balance of home and life and really enable businesses to realize the potential of getting more women up to the board level and gaining inequality there. So that really gives us our fire. But our mission is to make job sharing accessible for everybody, regardless of their gender and circumstances. Um, And that's why we set up a business, really, to enable people to have everything that they need, all the tools, all the nuts and bolts to demystify the process, to answer all the questions and the scary unknowns that the businesses may have, um, to set people up for success. That's really what we're all about.
0: Thank you so much. It's been really, really nice to, you know, quote unquote see you and talk yeah. to you. <laughs> now, now, how can people reach out to you?
1: Um, so, we are uh, available on email. It's hello at the jobsharepair.com. Um, the social media handle, as we said, is at the um, So, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, it's probably our main platform. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn. So Rachel McGuire and Hannah Hall Turner. Um, and then we've got a website which has a bit more information about job sharing, about us, um, about our services, which is thejobsharepair.com. Um, and that's got all the links to everything that I've just said as well.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you too. Likewise, thank, you. Thank, thank you. you. thank you. <laughs> it was such an insightful conversation with Rachel and with Hannah. And I really loved when they were demystifying some of the things that people think about when they hear the word job sharing. And interestingly enough, since we recorded it, Association PTO and with their website goforjobsharing.ch has published a very recent video that talks and shares intercultural as well as intergenerational um, job sharing. So I will put the link to the video in the show notes. Also, Irenka Krone, the co-founder of Association PTO and her co-sharing, co-leading partner at CINF. Nina Prochaska were my inaugural guests here on the podcast Job Sharing and Beyond. And so I will also put the link to their podcast episode into the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.